0: Hey, welcome to another episode of The Scrum, WGBH News' political podcast. I'm Adam Riley, and I'm joined here at our studios in Brighton by my colleague and podmate, Peter Kazis. Peter, hello. How's it going, Alan? Very, very good. In a couple of minutes, we're going to be talking about Elizabeth Warren's ambitious plan to break up big tech with Dan Premack. He is the business editor at Axios, and he writes their tech and venture capital newsletter, Pro Rata. First, Peter Kadzis, you have been pondering over the past few days the controversy that's emerged around Ilan Omar, the newly elected Congresswoman from Minnesota. As our listeners no doubt know, Omar has been under fire lately for comments she made about Israel and American politicians who support Israel that many people deemed anti-Semitic, though not all people. You have a take on Omar that I don't think I have heard anywhere else. What is it?
1: Well, first of all, it's not any one thing that Congresswoman Omar said. I think it's the pattern of the three or four instances, uh, the three that I know of. Are those comments anti-Semitic? They're mighty close to anti-Semitic. Too close for my comfort.
0: And your thinking on this has shifted a little bit, right? I mean, I remember talking with you several days ago, and you were saying, ah, "I think she might be getting a raw deal." You've been reading now, a lot, and research- I,
1: I've bounced around a lot on this. I thought at first she was anti-Semitic. Then I thought she was getting a raw deal. Now my conclusion, which I don't think I'll change my mind on, is that she's mighty close, too close for my comfort, as I said, and I'll just leave it at that. But. I'm not so sure what she said is as important as, in a way, what she represents, and she represents something new in American politics, and that is an elected official with active pro-Muslim sympathies. We've never had this before. Now, when I say pro-Muslim sympathies, I don't mean that she's an agent of ISIS or, you know, some...
0: You don't mean to imply that uh, the sort of thing about her, that her critics said she implied about uh, American politicians who support Israel?
1: I think so. In a phrase, okay. What it is is, let's take Irish-American politicians, the late New York Governor Hugh Carey, the late Speaker of the House Tip O'Neill, the late U.S. Senator Ted Kennedy. These were three politicians, all of whom were closely, were Irish-American Catholics, closely identified with Ireland, played key roles in helping to bring peace to Ireland. I'm not saying she's of that stature. She's young. She's just been elected. But she's something new in American politics.
0: Now, as you say that, the first thought that springs to my mind is what about Keith Ellison, the former congressman from Minnesota, who was, I think, the first member of Congress, first Muslim member of Congress elected. Uh, Now he's the attorney general in Minnesota, which, as some listeners will know, is my home state. He doesn't fit the bill? Well, no. He grew up in, I believe a Catholic family. I think that's right.
1: He was a convert in his late teens or early 20s, I'm a little rough on the time. And he but,
0: grew up in the United States.
1: And he grew up in the United States. Congresswoman Omar is from Somalia, from a, a traditional, deeply religious, a religious Muslim family. This is a big change, and she represents a huge potential element of instability for um, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. I say instability because the left-wing young progressives will have the ability to uh, cause a lot of trouble. And I say cause a lot of trouble because while there were many more progressives than there used to be, the majority of the new members of Congress are moderates, But we in the press are focusing almost exclusively on those on the left. And it's something new. The Republicans have been shameless in their attacks on her. In a way, I don't blame them from a partisan view attacking her. But let's not forget, the Republicans were the ones who stepped around our own president and invited Netanyahu.
0: That's right. To to speak here. Yeah, which was actually a point, I can't remember the name of the guy who made it, but a guy writing for Slate made that point as he was sizing up the Omar affair.
1: Congresswoman uh, Omar, I don't think we've heard the last of her, and she represents a real potential headache for Nancy Pelosi and for the Democratic Party.
0: Well, I see, in addition to the role that that you're talking about, about her being this trailblazer when it comes to being— a pro Muslim congresswoman. She also, you talked about her other uh, freshman colleagues, including Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, including our own Ayanna Presley. As we have seen, and I, I believe uh, former Boston City Councilor Presley's uh, uh, older than the other two, closer to my age than, than them. But if Ilan Omar wants to say something, at least up until this point, she's going to hop on Twitter and say it. Ditto Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They have realized in much the same way that President Trump has the power of using social media to go directly to the people who support you and to inspire them. Hence her potential danger. Yeah. All right. With that, it's time to move on to this episode's main event, Elizabeth Warren's plan to break up Amazon, Google, and Facebook. A few days ago, in a Medium post titled, Here's How We Can Break Up Big Tech, Warren wrote, Today's big tech companies have too much power— over our economy, our society, and our democracy. They've bulldozed competition, used our private information for profit, and tilted the playing field against everyone else. And in the process, they have hurt small businesses and stifled innovation. That night, Warren went on MSNBC's The Beat with Ari Melber and played a word association game. I've got a couple one-word associations, mm-hmm. if you could do it in
2: word. Okay. Some of them re- relate to your bill. Okay. Amazon.
0: Uh, can I
1: have two words? Sure. Too big.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Google. Too big. Facebook. Too big. Mark Zuckerberg.
0: Too powerful. Joining us now to talk about how Warren's plan is being received and whether it might actually come to pass is Dan Premack of Axios. He's the business editor there and writes the daily tech and venture capital newsletter ProRata. And he tweets at at Dan Premack, that's P-R-I-M-A-C-K. Dan, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So in the world that you cover, what has the response been to Warren's proposal?
2: A lot of eye rolling, I think, so far. And then, granted, she filed this thing, you know, she did this on uh, just a couple days ago, and, and there's some teeth to it. I, I think the eye rolls are for two reasons. One, there is still not an expectation she's going to get the nomination, let alone become the president. So, and But then again, you know, if, if you go back to this time in the last campaign, people would have said the same thing about Donald Trump. So, you know, don't be so sure about that. I think the second part of it is... There is not really an understanding necessarily of how some of these breakups would work. Some of them are easy, but some of them are very, very hard, and some of them seem weirdly capricious. For example, so with Amazon, she talks about the purchase of Whole Foods, which you can maybe understand. She talks about the purchase of Zappos, and Zappos, if you don't remember, was one of the first online companies that sold shoes online. And that was a big deal, right, because who would want to buy a shoe online, not walking <laughs> so they buy that. That gets integrated. You know, it's it's now a very relatively small part of Amazon. But you say, why is a shoe seller the big breaking point there for Amazon, which is an e-commerce company at heart?
0: Can we backtrack just a tiny bit? Sure. And I know I'm the one who asked what the reaction was. But I want to make sure that people who are listening understand, uh, if they don't already, and many of them probably do, the two ways in, in which Warren says that big tech has been limiting competition. So if we establish those terms, I guess the, the basis of right. her, her critique, then we can talk about where it might go.
2: So one of the things she talks about is this idea of selling on your own platform. So, so so take Amazon as an example, right? You go to Amazon and you can buy all sorts of branded products that you know that you could also buy in a store or in other places. But Amazon's also selling its own products, kind of private label products. And her argument is that you should not be able to, if you're one of these huge platform companies, you should not be able to both create the marketplace or create the platform, and then also sell your own product through it. And by the way, with something like Google, that would apply too, right? It has this huge search marketplace and advertising marketplace. They don't want Google to be able to actually control and be selling and marketing the ads. The argument is it is an inherent conflict of interest.
0: Yeah, I saw her using the metaphor of it's like being a, an umpire and owning a baseball team. She it seems is. To be leaning on that.
2: It's also, and and, and folks, for example, in Silicon Valley would argue, it is like going to stop and shop and, you know, either you You're buying the Kellogg cereal, or you're buying the Stop and Shop brand cereal, right? Like you have a choice. You can buy either one. Stop and Shop's allowed to sell their generic cereal. You can go to CVS and get the generic, you know, generic uh, cough medicine.
0: Would the counterpoint to that be that? with Stop and Shop purveying its own products that at least it's transparent, right? You're in the cereal aisle and you see them all and you're free to choose. It
2: is, it's interesting though, you think of the Stop and Shop example, and I hadn't really given a huge amount of thought, but part of the argument is, well, part of the argument is that Amazon will kill other products, right? That they see all the data coming in, and this is true, they'll see the data coming in from the third parties and say, you know what, that is a new young brand selling something that people haven't bought before. Look at all those sales. Let's make that. Let's make that and destroy them. That's true. The other, but the similarity is if Stop and Shop wants, it can put its own products in the best spots on the shelves.
0: And then, and I'll make sure to let you in here after this, Peter. The other way, if I understand correctly, that she says big tech hampers competition is the giants just buy up any competitors, like Facebook buying Instagram, right? Yeah, I don't agree with her so much on that. Uh, In the sense of, look,
2: Instagram was a, I think think, uh, Facebook paid a billion dollars for it. And when they did that, it was a very big deal and very surprising. In fact, Instagram, three days before that deal got announced, had been valued by venture capitalists at $500 million. Still a huge amount of cash, but Facebook doubled that overnight. And Facebook was prescient, right? They realized that people were moving towards, and particularly millennials, were moving towards images as the way they kind of communicated online. But it wasn't a sure bet at the time. You know, Facebook also paid a fortune for something called Oculus, which uh, Elizabeth Warren ignores in her Medium post because it has not worked out very well. Um, that was
0: the virtual reality that was headset, exactly. right?
2: Exactly. And and the WhatsApp, which is the other big thing that Facebook bought, it, it is kind of a competitor to what they do with Messenger, but there's other kind of private messaging apps all over, particularly in China.
1: Yeah, see, the, I... I view the Elizabeth Warren um, sort of anti-tech initiative in the context of what now is three-part reform program. This last summer, rather, she made a big splash with a call for, in effect, corporate reform, rethinking the the American corporation, putting it in service to the American citizen, Secondly, to government transparency and integrity. And this is sort of a third stool there. And um, I have to say – well, I'm not the only one. I was about to say that she has the the most clearly defined set of issues out there of the major candidates. Annie Linsky, formerly of The Globe, now of The Washington Post, on Sunday – was uh, tweeting about Bernie Sanders and said, well, I'm paraphrasing, the fire's there, but there's no substance. There's no specifics to what he's saying. There's a lot of specifics to what Elizabeth Warren is saying. To step back for a moment, I think that what Elizabeth Warren is peddling, and I mean that in the best American (laughs) sense of the word, what she's peddling is a program we haven't really seen since the days of progressives such as George Norris and Robert Wagner. This is going back pre-New Deal. And I'm going to fake it and
0: pretend that I know who those guys are, so let's <laughs> keep
2: on track. No, but Peter, you're right about that in the sense, just to say, I, I remember being two summers ago, so summer of 17, in an office at a very well-known Silicon Valley um, company, big big tech company, talking to their head of policy there, and I said to him at the time, I said, do you think there's going to be serious antitrust action, not only against companies like Facebook and Amazon, but even his company, which which is a well-known? And his response was telling. He said, under current law, no, because none of us apply under current law. He said, realistically, the law needs to be changed. It's been over 100 years.
1: Yeah, I mean, the whole antitrust issue is – people hear the name Robert Bork and they think of the failed Supreme Court candidacy. Robert Bork – defined antitrust policy, and his definition, his working definition in the book, The Antitrust Paradox, a policy at war with itself, basically said that, redefined uh, antitrust policy, it said we should weigh these things, the court should weigh these things as to how it affects the consumers, you know, because ineffective competition costs consumers. There's a big swing against this these days, and it's from the left, from places like Demos, or it's from the right, from places like the American conservative. So I think she's onto something.
0: I'm glad you brought up that, that sense of a swing or a sea change because, Dan, I would love to get your take since you move in this world regularly. Do people in the tech world feel like for a host of different reasons, you know, the backlash to Amazon that led Amazon to pull out of its deal with New York. Elizabeth Warren, I think, campaigned in Long Island City and Queens right the yep. night that she announced this, which was symbolism lost on no one. Or, or what seemed to me uh, the repeated screw-ups on Facebook's part when it comes to privacy and privacy protection. Is there a sense in the tech world that storm clouds are gathering? And, well, maybe Elizabeth Warren won't be the nominee, but we're headed— at some point towards some sort of reckoning?
2: I think there is. And, and this has been going on for a couple of years. I mean, if you go back to almost two years ago, the Democrats put something out. I think they called it a better plan. And and it talked, it, it wasn't just tech specific, but it did actually talk about antitrust. And, and it, it was kind of forsaging some of this. Yeah, look, I, I think tech companies for a very long time have always been under the self-delusion, I guess, that we are, you know, we're, we're moving things forward. We're good. I don't think if you normally go to Wall Street and say, are you a force for good? If you put them under truth serum, they'd say necessarily yes. Or, you know, the, <laughs> the general manufacturer or something would say generally yes. But the folks at Facebook, Google, Apple, the Kool-Aid is drank, it is digested. They absolutely believe it. I think there has been some real surprise and shock by what's happened. And and then it gets very complicated when it's somebody like Elizabeth Warren, because in Silicon Valley, the politics are to the left of what they are here in Boston. And I think it is a little problematic for folks to see they're, you know, the people maybe they would like to pull the ballot for or pull the lever for in a, in a ballot booth, the folks who are attacking them.
0: That's interesting because I had not known that there were that many Potential Elizabeth Warren supporters out in Silicon Valley. I've thought when you know, for example, when she talked about her tax on the what does she call it, the Uber rich, the yeah. super rich, the mega rich. I was kind of cynical and thought, oh, she's not really. But I that think many that's going.
2: where the party is going, though. I don't, I don't, and not all of it, right? Like we'll see Joe Biden or Beto O'Rourke gets, and then they can they can be on the other side of that. Klobuchar to a certain extent, but that's clearly the momentum of the party. You see all the attention that you know, Ocasio Cortez gets. That that's where the momentum is right now, and and it will that by the way be very interesting to see. You know, you, you get those stories every quarter once you. Get real fundraising. You know where does the Google money go? Where does the Facebook money go?
1: Yeah, I mean, let's look at Wall Street for a second, as opposed to Silicon Valley. Wall Street has regularly financed candidates who, you know, at first blush wouldn't be seen as friendly. I think that Elizabeth Warren is sufficiently to the is so far is so specifically left. She gives them pause. Bernie Sanders is a windbag, you know. Free this, free that. Tax this, tax send that. Send all
0: your emails to Peter <laughs> underscore Cadiz. Um, hey, president. listen,
1: he's a windbag. Hawaii, uh, a few weeks ago, declared the front runner. Did <laughs> what? What will scare people about Elizabeth Warren is her specificity, but. To go back to what I said a few minutes ago, there are undercurrents in this election that I think will prove to be more powerful than the vote themselves, especially in the Republican Party and especially among people who who were thoughtful populists. Daniel McCarthy, for example, in something that I would say is almost a political manifesto, recently wrote that the way forward, and he's talking about the way forward for conservatives, requires refocusing on the American citizen as the basic unit of the economy. Now, that may sound very simple, but he's not talking here about keeping government out of business. He's saying that it is time for Republicans, time for conservatives, and while he doesn't address Democrats, Democrats can do this just as well. It's time for people in public life to weigh the cost of their policies, by how it affects individual American citizens. I got to
0: cop to ignorance again here. Who is Daniel McCarthy? I have no idea.
1: Uh, Daniel McCarthy was for several years the editor of the American Conservative. He's now the um, editor of Modern Age, which is an intellectual right-wing conservative
0: So that interest then, or potential sympathy, at least on some level, uh, that you see on the right Peter. Dan, do you see Republicans possibly making common cause, not not just you know Republican um, thinkers or conservative thinkers well, like Peter described, but legislators? Larry Kudlow's not going
2: there. No, Kudlow's <laughs> not, but Trump has, right? I mean, look, Trump has talked about breaking up Amazon. Now, you want to say that's because he hates Jeff Bezos because he owns the Washington Post? Fine. But he has certainly talked about breaking up Amazon. He doesn't like Facebook. So I see two things of interest here. One, If you got a debate stage with Elizabeth Warren and Donald Trump and this was the issue and they both agreed, Warren would simply look and say, You've been there four years. What the, you know, you didn't do it. But more importantly, the one thing that's interesting about this though is, and Peter, you talked about Robert Bork and and how this affects the American consumer. You just talked about McCarthy and the American citizen. The one difference between this and, say, Standard Oil from, you know, 100 years ago is most Americans really like these services. Now you you, you pull them and they'll say, Oh, I hate Facebook. They're too powerful but they use it and they want their one hour delivery from Amazon and they want their Google searches. People, And by the way, with the exception of Amazon, you don't pay for Facebook. Not, I mean, you, you could say your privacy gets taken and they make money off of you, but you don't pay out of your pocket. You don't pay out of your pocket for Google. That's I'm, a really good point. What, you have Gmail. I have Gmail. I've never paid a dime for it. It's an incredibly important service for me.
0: Now, Warren has made the case since she rolled this out that uh, oh, you know, this is not going to affect the way you use these things. You can still Google to find the capital of North Dakota. You can still go on Amazon and shop for coffee makers. I think I'm remembering her two folksy preferred examples. Uh, I can't remember what it is for Facebook, but is that a, a a legitimate claim? Does that pass the smell test? That if her plan came to fruition, I would still use Amazon and Facebook and Google just the way I always have. No,
2: absolutely not. No, I mean, I mean, and by the way. You might argue that that the trade-off is worthwhile, but like Google's a good example, right? So use Google Maps, right? So you want to drive, you're going to go down to the Cape for the weekend and you use Google Maps because you don't know exactly where, you know, where in Bourne you're going. Well, Waze is integrated into that to a certain extent, the data off of Waze. So when you find out what the traffic on the bridge is, it might be a little more complicated. You might have to use a different app. So it wouldn't be exactly the same. You could argue it will be similar enough. I'm not so
1: sure about that. By the way, when I say I'm not so sure, that's not an argument. I I really am not. I remember in my late 20s when I was covering Wall Street, AT&T was broken up. And at the time, this was huge. Like at the time, the joke went, two things work in America, Coca-Cola and the phone company. And, you know, we just screwed up one of them by breaking it up. What happened is the breakup of AT&T unleashed an incredible wave of innovation, some of which led to the high-tech revolution we're in now. Now I'm not saying the same thing would happen
2: here. Warren's making that argument, though. She does make that argument.
1: And it is. And you know, if I hadn't heard it myself at age 28, I'd be thinking today that's crazy. But the breakup of AT&T, I mean, not many people remember the days when there was one phone company. <laughs> the breakup of AT&T revolutionized the American company. So I'm not saying I subscribe to this argument, but the breakup of three or four gigundo companies maybe. Would revolutionize it by a factor of four.
2: It may, and the, and the example she gives is Microsoft, right? Which There was a huge antitrust case over a decade ago against Microsoft. Now, the government ended up, Microsoft didn't get broken up. The idea was break up Microsoft, but the way Warren argues it and the links she puts in her Medium post, and she's right to a certain extent, Microsoft became much more cautious, particularly towards development of the Internet, and and you can make the case that that created white space for companies like Facebook, and particularly Google, to, to pop up.
0: Just to harken back to a point that came up a, a minute or two ago, you talked about how Trump's interest in cracking down in some way, shape, or form on Amazon has been linked to his ongoing feud with Jeff Bezos. But there's also the whole conservative conviction that social media results are skewed in a way that is detrimental to their side. It's a conviction that I know a lot of people don't think is legitimate, but that could lead to maybe the interest in some sort of action against Facebook, and then did it with Google, search results, you know, why doesn't this come up? Why don't you get Tucker Carlson talking about this instead of the New York Times? These tech companies
2: have become kind of bipartisan punching bags. They're kind of, you know, hate them for whatever reason you want, just make sure you hate them. And so look, absolutely, And, and, (laughs) and, and, and Trump is a real good example. That. Now, he uses them. I mean, imagine if Twitter went away. What would the Trump presidency exactly look like? I don't think any of us really know. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, no, they are equal opportunity, which is why I think this is a, it's a strange bipartisan thing. i, I It could be the one thing that Warren and Trump get on stage and actually agree yeah, about. Yeah,
1: I mean, the Trump presidency, for all its faults, and God knows there are a lot of them, has nevertheless opened up some real new and clear space in American politics. Listen, Elizabeth Warren would have um, put this policy forward whether Trump was president or not. She's been heading in that direction. But I don't think the policy will be taken as seriously if it weren't for the fact that that Trump has – tapped into, not very successfully, but uh, real populist rage that is out there. I mean, I saw a a young conservative writer on Twitter was uh, commenting on um, the book, What's the Matter with Kansas? What's Wrong with Kansas? Kansas? What's the Matter with Kansas? Thomas Frank's book. (laughs) And he basically said, after reading Thomas Frank's book, I think that if social conservatives adopted economic uh, economic populism, they'd rule the country for 40 to 60 years. And I think there's some truth to that.
2: The irony, by the way, of Trump, of course, is that tech is the only area of American business where for him, big is bad, right? I mean, for Trump, everything, you know, big is always good. The taller building is the better building. But like, that's true for him with business. He's talked about that when it comes to manufacturers and airlines and banks, but not with tech. With tech, he does not like it.
0: Why did Elizabeth Warren not call out Apple? Apple. Or Walmart. Or Walmart. Um, or Walmart. Although I don't th- I think There's of There's questions Apple's, about yeah. Walmart.
2: But yeah, Apple, it's a really good question. I have no idea. Apple certainly applies here. When you think of the App Store, when you think of its own services that it puts forth, Apple would certainly be part of this. Maybe maybe she views Apple as more beloved by its customers than the other companies.
1: Maybe she just hasn't thought that far in advance. Yeah. Also, Apple, that.
0: Apple, to me... Seems to to not carry the baggage when it comes to public perception that these other companies might. Although maybe I'm overstating. It
2: that. doesn't. It's also viewed, I think, by most people. And look, most of its revenue, Apple's revenue, is hardware, right the the physical iPhone, the iPad, etc. Although if you look at where they're heading, both in terms of where the numbers are going and where Tim Cook says the numbers are going, you're becoming Tim a, Apple. T- I <laughs> am Tim <laughs> Apple. They're becoming they're becoming a software company, right? They're and a software services company. So those things, you know, Apple Music and all those things, that's becoming a bigger and bigger part of the company.
0: So for th- Elizabeth Warren's plan to become a reality, and we're just you know talking about hypotheticals here. Uh, let's say that she is the Democratic nominee, d- uh, despite the skepticism that you mentioned earlier, Dan, and a lot of poll numbers suggesting that she has skepticism t- towards t- all of them. Right, there's like twenty. I mean, right. you've got to have skepticism. <laughs> right. don't you? Uh, let's say that she wins the presidency. What would need to transpire mechanically? Uh, in terms of the mechanics of politics, for this stuff to come to pass? A
2: lot. Uh, the first big thing is laws. Does she have um, you know, Democrats running the Senate? And that's possible in the next the way the, the numbers work in the next cycle. But she'd probably need Congress. And to, she would need a law particularly talking about You know, this break, the not the breakup, but the some of the antitrust changes she wants. She would also need to get her regulators, her hand and every president gets their handpicked regulators at Department of Justice and the FTC, et cetera. She'd have to get them through the Senate confirmation process as well. And then finally. You know, if you went to, say, Google and said you need to sell Double click and you need to sell Waze, Google likely would sue and you would have to win in court. Uh, and then you'd have to probably win the appeal. So even if she became president, she can't do this by fiat. This would be a long process.
1: And she'd have to win in courts that were heavily Republican, heavily Pro-Bork, if you will. Bork, It's it'll be more important that the Republican courts are pro-Bork rather than pro-Trump.
2: And the question would be, can she get the laws changed ahead of time? Because these courts rely you know, on the 19, whatever it is, 1914 antitrust law to a large extent. If the government can, and this is really going forward, but if the government can argue, yeah, all the precedents are relevant because the law is now different on the thing we're talking about. You know, Congress passed a new law. That that could change things.
0: Before we let you go, this has been fascinating. Is there anything that that we haven't given you a chance to talk about when it comes to Warren's proposal that is relevant?
2: That's a good question. I'm interested in why she's only focusing on tech. There's been a lot of commentary recently about antitrust uh, leading into this and talks about how there's lots of other industries in America which have consolidated in very, very similar ways, big, important industries, and a question why she's focusing on tech. And and I'd give an example of that being when the AT&T-Time Warner merger went through and and the government fought that and there was arguments in court over it. What you heard from the CEO of AT&T, and you've heard this from the CEOs of other companies like that, including Verizon, is... We are not competing with the other phone companies anymore or the other cable companies anymore. We're competing with Facebook and Netflix and Amazon now. So if that's the case, if 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 those are now in the same, like it would seem that Warren's universe, you know, you mentioned Apple, it would seem Warren's universe should be expanded a little
0: bit, like more. include Verizon or Comcast. Absolutely, right?
1: Comcast, to my mind, the most hated company in America. You can never go wrong attacking. I think that's Comcast. been
0: quantitatively established for really? right? at least Comcast customer wise guy. service guy. No, <laughs> I, th- I think you're on something.
1: Look at all political campaigns or exercises in public education. And you can only teach so much in one lesson. And I'm just wondering if that Warren's program is just sort of limited and focused.
0: Uh, I see what you're saying.
1: Just for that reason, nothing sinister... Um,
0: just to let people wrap their brains around it yeah.
2: right and if you were to write actual legislation it's not going to say tech company it's going to say corporation right yeah. period Corporation. good period. point
0: that's interesting alright that is going to do it for another installment of the scrum Dan Premack business editor at Axios thank you for making the time to do this it was terrific thanks for having me Peter Kadzis as usual it was a pleasure wrapping with you
1: Wrapping with it. It's great talking as always, Adam.
0: And as always, thanks to you for taking the time to listen. Drop us a line if you want to weigh in on this convo in any way, shape, or form. You can find Peter and me on Twitter. He's at Kadzis. I'm at Riley Adam. Or you can email us at scrum at WGBHnews.org. Also, if you haven't already subscribed to Scrum, you should. It's on Apple Podcasts and a whole bunch of other places where you can get your podcast content. I'm Adam Riley. The Scrum is a production of WGBH News.